and welcome to the Incontention Podcast. This is Sam Snyder, your host with Matt Cranstuber. Ruben was just doing the, the Muppet dance, because that's what Snyder yeah. looked like when he just did the the introduction there. And Ruben Bressler. Hey, it's more fun when you put your hands up. You're the also on Madagascar. And trademark, stamp it, fine, send it away. Yeah, we were uh, you were commenting last week that I wasn't emphatic enough. Right. Oh, now yeah. we're now we're uh, we're back on uh, back on drugs. Yes. We need to make that the the tagline of the podcast. Hello, like just Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, uh-huh. like with the echo font that has shadows <laughs> behind it that slowly trails off. I was yeah. thinking more. There, I think it was on the Simpsons. There was a, a character who goes hello. hello. Probably it's like an older guy with a. Sure. <laughs> that's right. also what the well, it's also what Craig Ferguson's version of the Queen sounds like. That's all. <laughs> Hello. I feel like we could go back twenty episodes and just take the first minute of each of them, and it's always me. All right, well, and just kind of like pulling you guys right. back because I feel like if I just left the room right now, I would come back and it would be devolved. Like you guys would be down here, like you know, talking about. Something else. Something metaphysical. Yeah, it'd be, the, it'd be the greatest podcast ever. You have managed to completely ruin this podcast. <laughs> it would be like a PG-13 bridge. You were yeah, like, exactly. Cranny's prevented this show from being Sam and Ruben, like, safe for television MTG bridge. Yes. <laughs> you were the, you were like the, the, the old uh, drummer for the Beatles. What? Okay. You know the, the guy before Ringo? <laughs> okay. No. Yeah, there was a dude before Ringo. He left the Beatles because, like, you know... But like it's like just that's like cranny. He just like in an alternate universe, that guy just never leaves. I'm the more Beatles, like George. Let's the be Beatles. No, I thought not. I was Ringo. In spirit only. All right, okay, shut up. All right, here we go. We have a lot to talk about today. We actually got our care package in finally from our friend Simon Norieka. Yeah. From Tokyo, Japan. So, so excited. Did it say Domo Arigato on the? No. Well, it says something about Nippon, and you know, I'll be honest. I took Japanese for eight years, and uh, I can read about two of these symbols, so I'm pretty pathetic, let's be honest. I, uh, I should have studied a little harder. Can we get you some, uh, some import RPGs? Yeah. No, actually, funny story. A little side story. I started learning Japanese when my friend, we used to play uh, JRPGs like on the Super Nintendo a long time ago, and we played through every single one you could play through. And uh, actually, I can maybe tell this story again on the uh, video game podcast, but uh, long story short, he brought Dragon Quest VI in Japanese, and uh, in, t- in order to play it, I went to the library and took out Japanese books. And uh, it was obviously, like, I didn't realize, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, I'll just, like, look up the letters, and I'll translate the words. And so I spent, like, two weeks, you know, basically learning the Doesn't alphabet, and, like then didn't, and then didn't play, like, five minutes of the game. Do you know what it's like? Have you ever, uh, do you remember in, like, elementary school when they gave you the, all the Egyptian characters, and they had, like, letter corresponding? <laughs> the little bird? Yeah, yes. they'd like give you these like key, and they'd be like, "Here's these Egyptian letters, and you can correspond them." And now you can look up this word, and you'd be like, "Oh, that's how that works." No, but then like you get a little older, you're like, "Wait a second, they didn't speak English." Yeah, right. Like it, exactly. it was not a direct it cipher. Yeah, yeah. The word yeah. was not an M. Yeah, for crying out loud. I the other thing I don't get about what that story you just told is if I had to learn a language to play a game, <laughs> I don't think I would play that game. It was, like, exciting, though. Like, do you have to realize that the other option was Cranny had to go outside? Nah, here. Oh, fair I'll, enough. I'll, I'll, there are okay. bees. So I'm just going to tell it early. One of, our, one of our last hashtags of the night is off-topic in contention. Right. Um, we are recording a, an episode in contention called 8-Bit in contention. 
And uh, we're going to just do nothing but talk about video games. So I'll get into that story a little bit more because it actually does have a little more depth. But let's talk about magic. So uh, first, uh, sorry, let's not talk about magic. Let's talk about Kit Kats. First subject, Kit Kat. Kit Tukato. Second subject, Bellowing Tango Worm and Friends. Right. Uh, otherwise known as uh, the last week in review. Well, yeah, yes. week in review for, for new standard. Uh, then we have hashtag working for the man. Then we have hashtag Hawaii Brags sub hashtag sort of cash and more cash. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then obviously uh, off topic intention we just talked about. So then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the new Star City live schedule, which is awesome. Right. And uh, probably just a little touch on maybe some Cincy, get people pumped up a little bit if they're listening to that before Cincy, maybe on their way. Who right. knows? Uh, so let's know when this is on the internet. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully Sam can edit it as soon as we're done and post it to the website right away. Because it's so tough to edit this show. <laughs> He's uh, already had to edit one thing out of mine. So, uh, all right, well, let's kick it off. I have the box. Oh, wait, I got it, it, I got it, I got it. Okay, so we have this box. This is from Simon Noriega. Not Noriega. He's not a uh, car, uh, Colombian drug magnate. Um, <laughs> this is from Japan. Uh, the label says candy, uh, 5X candy. Uh, uh, worth 2,000 yen. 2,000 yen street <laughs> value. Um, and we got this nice box with Japanese instructions on how to fold it. And we got a note here, if you'd like to read the note that we have. Okay, so let me just say, this packaging is insane, right? Right, because so listen to this. You hear that? That's folded origami paper. Oh, wow. Packaging our candy. And that's that's unreal. Okay, so while they take this out of the box, I'll read this. Dear Sam, Cranny, and Roops, Hey guys, sorry if it took longer than expected, but here's some Kit Kats from Japan. I hunted around for the mythical wasabi ones, but failed to find that. So there's Sakura Matcha Latte, which is cherry blossom and powder green tea with milk-flavored kurmitsu, which is a kind of sweet syrup, kind of like brown sugar flavor, and strawberry in alternate ball-shaped forms. That's like right, the little that's package. These. The strawberry and Sakura ones I found at convenience stores after some hunting. The Kuramitsu took some finding as it's a regional souvenir special, but it's the most Japanese of the flavors. You put that in press. I don't so, know which one. The, the, um, the, uh, some of them say Kit Kat and have the I'll flavor be, I'll language I'll be able to English. read the Kuramitsu part of it, and you probably could decipher it. But So in lieu of some of the freaky Kit Kat flavors, I found Takiyoki caramels. The main ingredient in Takoyaki, oh, takoyaki sorry, is octopus. That's awesome. I hope the caramel version allows you to experience the full effect of this. Anyway, enjoy. Um, on the show, if you can, keep recording, and I'll keep listening. Cheers, Simon. Simon, this is insane. Yeah, yes. thanks a lot. If, uh, if awesome. you had a Twitter, we would say it in every sentence for the I'm rest of the sure show. pretty sure What is it? Uh, Seriously? I looked him up on Twitter. I couldn't find him. Ah, oh, man, he... Sent me a minute. If he did, he's just been real subtle about it. Anyway, let's let's dig in, and if we right. find his Twitter by the end of the show, we will we will so, pimp it out at the end. Uh, funniest part of this segment is Cranny is currently on a gluten free diet, but I'm going to eat it anyway. And he's going to eat it anyway, <laughs> just to so like way to be on it for four days, Cranny. Yeah, right. I know. This where are we starting off? Just where where are we start? Okay, so let's. I want to try this green tea. One. We're going to start with these insane. Sakura Makia ones. Now we've got a couple boxes here that aren't that have no English. Now that's the octopus caramel. This is the octopus. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's why it would be in English. I'm going to open these up because I'm going to make you guys eat these. No, I'm going to eat it. That's fine. Oh yeah, I'm excited so about that. So we've. Do you want to split a Kit Kat? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Because you're not going to have too much. So let's do one Kit Kat and then we'll get in these caramels right, so these we don't get yeah. too long. Sakura Makia Latte Kit Kats. Oh my gosh, look at that color. Oh, it looks like 
It looks Maybe like it looks like uh, <laughs> you know ooze the stuff that turned the turtles into ninja turtles. It uh, it kind of looks like ooze to me. Hmm. Those are fantastic. Yeah, that's not yeah. bad. I don't know why they don't make these here. Look at the packaging. Tastes too. like tea. The it packaging does. is awesome. The packaging is awesome. Like, there's like a little. Fl- you know what? How the the uh, the display packaging for booster packs. It kind of <laughs> looks like that. Those are amazing. Wow. Good. That is like weird milky aftertaste. Yeah. All right. So but you can actually, like, but, like, but it's like a latte. Yeah, you can taste the tea afterwards. Mm-hmm. Man, that's awesome. Oh man, this these caramels are insane. They don't smell like octopus. Sorry, I had to. I had to smell. They're super tiny though. There we go. Well, thank God they're super delicious. And obviously, um, I'm like, if you listen to the show, you may be able to guess that I may be a little neurotic and a little picky with my food, so I'm not going to be eating the octopus flavored. These, they look like caramels that my grandma keeps in her purse. <laughs> they're like super, super crunchy, like very, very, very hard. Yeah. Are I, you? I can't even eat them. Hold on. <laughs> Do they taste fishy at they, all? You got the octopus. Oh yeah. These are. Oh yeah. These taste like fish. <laughs> This is this is insane. Like this is uh, it, one of the coolest things that anybody's ever done for the show. Actually, there's another plug at the end of the show too for somebody that did something awesome. Um, but actually, may as well just do it while we're on the subject. While we're chewing, yeah. While while they're chewing, another one of our listeners sent in a altar that his girlfriend Maud did um, of uh, a tragic slip with a banana peel. Yeah. And uh, again, I'll probably have to look him up while we're on the show wow. so we can yeah, shout we'll him out. Yeah, we'll try and maybe we'll put a link on the bottom of the page if we do that. Anyway. So, final verdict: Will we be ordering boxes of these from Japan? Or? No, <laughs> I won't be. No, it's not. Just awful. wash it down with another Kit Kat. It tastes. Have to. <laughs> no, it's very, very distinctly fish flavored, but I don't. I can't qualify it as tasting bad. Fair enough. It's well, just weird. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll include the pictures. In the in the show notes, so if you have a chance, check it out. Anyway, let's uh, while while they're finishing chewing up, let's talk about Star City Richmond that happened this past weekend. Are we not eating the rest of Kit Kat? I mean, you guys we'll do get, it in between. Yeah, just in just between between munch on them while we're going. Um, so Star City Richmond happened. Standard new standard format looks pretty good. What did you guys think? Our, our hashtag is bellowing tangoworm and friends. Right. Well, it's the the interesting thing. I don't know if you have the, the top. I do. Count how many distinct archetypes are in the top 16 form. Okay, so top eight, we have one, uh, Tempered Steel, Delver, Flare, Mono Green, Summoning, and Wolf Run. That's six different. And in then the, the, top the, eight. the redundant is uh, we have another blue-white Delver and an Esper Delver. So we have three Delvers in the top eight. Going down to top 16, there's a Mono Green, three blue-white Humans, Tempered Steel, Esper Control, blue-white Blade, and Mono Green. So we have more... A second mono green deck, and I believe they're very... They're slightly different. Yeah. They're, about, they're close. They, uh, his doesn't run the extra Phyrexia Metamorphs to, to make extra right. copies of Swords. He's running, like, Wolf-Bitten I would like to point out that we are currently uh, in the unyielding dominance of white. Yeah, you're right. Like, okay, yeah, so blue's probably the, the reason for, like, 80% of that. But, you know, it's just crazy that, you know, you look at this format... And this is the, uh, you know, just how dominating white has been. Like, it is absurd. You know, you're, you're talking about the, 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 the you know, blue white humans. Then you have tempered steel. And that's like, 
what, completely 70% different Seventy percent of the format, and yeah. you know, just planes. Well, yeah, no. blue white humans, blue white Delver, right, and Wolf Front X. Steel. Yeah, so are running, are running, running white. white. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's it's interesting that you know, it seems like every time there is a quote unquote worst color, for like a year, Wizards is like that's enough of having that be the worst color, except for green. Yeah, well, <laughs> green is, hasn't been the worst color for a while. When, nah, well, when green well, was the worst, Purple Titan is the is the saving grace. No, yeah, yeah black's been the worst color for a while. Yeah, black's been the but, worst color for a while, and now they're really pushing mono black again, right? So for I mean, it's not gonna work for like for like four years in a row. Green was the worst color, and then they were like, "All right, four? here's here's Tarmogoyf, and here's a bunch of other stuff." How like fourteen block. years? Whatever. Well, no, no, it's not true. There was like five color green decks and stuff like that. And survival deck. Look, the point is that they every time there's a worst color, they're like, that's enough of that. Even to the point where blue was the worst color for a while, right before Jace got printed. Uh, yeah, during the during the rise of Jund, no one was playing blue cards. There were there Super were Friends was still a deck. Yeah, but blue is the third color in Super Friends. Uh, oh yeah, I, uh, so I mean, it's it's interesting that they that they do that. Now, um, was it Jace or was it Mana League? I think it was Jace. It brought blue I back. think it was Bloodbraid leaving the format that brought right. blue back. Well, yeah. well, I'm just saying that. Like, I think Manalik sort of hit around the same time. Yeah, same, same, same idea. That was pretty. So relevant. okay, so let's talk about. I mean, what's it like to play standard right now? We we recently said that the format was salt. You know, we <clears throat> it, it was wide open for a long time. We've all come out and said, you know, standard was a really great uh, dynamic format. And once it was solved, it was like, okay, well, you're playing, you're playing Delver, or you're playing Wolfron. I mean, it was right. like, but then, or well, actually, well, okay, it was then, actually just like blue humans or nothing. Right. But. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It was like, it was just Craig Wesco dot deck or nothing, basically. You funny, know? funny thing that he loves white decks so much that he would just he his last article was just different iterations of the human deck, and which like, is fine. Like that's, that's what, what he's, he's good at. No, that's what he plays. Like, and in his versions of the deck are the best yeah. like, that anybody's writing you about. Wanna, if you're going to read an article on a, on a white-based creature deck, it's, you know, you want to have someone who plays white-based creature decks for a yeah, if you Just want... like if you want, you know, weird Grixis decks, you're going to read Chapin. Yeah. Which, funny story, then Conley, Woods, and Chapin make the finals of the GP, and the format's not solved anymore. Yeah. Right? So it's just completely wide open. And then 150 new cards enter the format, and it's definitely not wide open. And I had... Uh, you were asking well, the question, what's the format like? I haven't played the Mono Green deck yet. See, so. the thing is, I think the Mono Green deck was a one-hit wonder. Yeah. I don't think it's the that... the magical Christmas one. You know, it's just one of those card decks that it came in and people weren't expecting it and no one knew how to play against it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it probably has a good humans matchup. I'll, you know, I'll give Todd that. I think Delver is not as good as he made it out to be. Well, the thing about the deck is that it has... If, it, if there's a Sword of Force of uh, War and Peace deck, this is it. Because there's it runs four of them and three metamorphs. Would you also and have, sorry? No, I was just gonna say you're gonna look at the player too. Todd Anderson right. has been pushing blue based tempo decks in standard for months. And Brian Braun DeWin has never played a non blue white deck in his life. So this was a this, <laughs> this was, was definitely huge. a meta call. Like yeah, they're absolutely. saying, you know, this format is filled with these decks. And We're so just gonna pray on them. This deck was like, all right, sort of worn pieces of the card. Let's make the deck for this card. So what you do is you're like, Mana Dude on turn one, Sword on turn two, Equip and Attack on turn three. And there's a bunch of decks that just can't deal with it for some reason. They can't just deal with the equipment of the, you know, format 
Like, it's obviously the card of the format right. that you need to be able to answer, but a lot of decks can't deal with it on turn three. Yeah, blue-white has an extremely difficult time dealing with that card. Right. And the other thing is that you get to have, like, a nice 4-4 or 5-5 hexproof dude. You know, the, the, like, your game plan is just, like, play a sword, play a hexproof dude, green sun for another hexproof dude, and you just can't win. I just love that, like, while everybody's, you know, farting around with sword decks... That Alien Trazi comes in and plays Heartless Summoning yeah. Yeah, with like tragic slips and like just traditional removal and you know obviously crushes with that. Which that seems like a really good deck choice because all of, all of your removal hits every card in the deck except for Geist. Right. Um, so no guy, no guy, no non Geist creature is going to get suited up and played. Plus, you're you're the way better late game deck. All you have to do is survive to like turn five or six. And you and you probably got the game, you know, wrapped up. So that's another good medical. That's call. another strength of the green deck, though. Is that most the problem with a lot of green deck of, you know, just mono green decks is it has no late game, mm. and so having the green sun zeniths really helps that. Plus, Dungrove gets bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, because a lot of times it'll just sit back as a three three until yeah. late game, and then suddenly it's a seven seven. So now we're attacking, you know. So uh, Brian Bronduin uh, at Bronduinit on Twitter. <laughs> Which you'll have to look at his last name. It's his last name and then it with no hyphen. Uh, had a great article on uh, on Star City about the deck. It's hilarious. He's a very funny guy. And I always sit uh, like across from him or next to him at player meetings at Star City events because my last name is Bressler and his last name is Bronwyn. So we always talk to each other. And he's he's a great guy. And I'm happy to see him writing for Star City. And he's you know he's a, a stalwart on the uh, the scene there. So stalwart. A, stalwart. So, um, not of gold medal. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk. Commercial break. We're going to eat oh, the yeah. strawberry cake. Okay, Kit so there's like these cube looking yeah, things. Little, They're the weirdest looking candies yeah, I've ever they're seen. They're a little bag of strawberry Kit Kats. What's the, what's the center look like? It looks like a Kit Kat. Oh, like a Kit Kat. Nice. Yeah, shocker. Nice. I don't like strawberries, so I'm not going to eat it. That's not bad. Yeah. It's a strawberry um, Kit Kat. That's what it is. So, I'm going to talk about. It's like, uh, like strawberry quick. It does. I used to like that stuff when I was a kid. I did. Strawberry Quick is awesome. Um, confirmed. Okay, so Mar- uh, Aaron Forsythe tweeted uh, jokingly that the winning deck of the legacy portion of Star City Richmond was a uh, premium deck. Was it was a precon that Wizards built, mm-hmm. which um, is n- not true, but it's very close to being true. The first place deck in the legacy portion of Richmond. Was burn, yeah, and uh, cards off from the fire and ice. It's it. really close. So his list, <laughs> I, I'm trying to pull it up. His list has goblin guide in it. Obviously, the the fire and lightning does not have goblin guide. I thought it did have goblin guide. No, I don't think no. so. Um, it has all their other stuff: figure destiny, house spark, Keld marauders, fire blast, lightning bolt, price progress, chain lightning, flame rift. I do not believe is in the fire lightning deck. And I also don't believe... Flame Rift, I'm almost positive is... Or no, Lob Spike, I'm sorry, is not okay. in the Fire Lightning deck. And Barbarian uh, Ring, I don't think is. So, is it? Maybe it is. I don't think it is. Well, maybe one. So, I, I, uh, I'm I, pretty happy to see this deck in there. I mean, it just shows that, you know, the, the format isn't um, isn't like it was a couple years ago. And if you look at the whole top eight, it's pretty darn... Um, actually, you probably have to go down to, like, the top 16... But there's a lot of variety in decks, yeah. uh, a lot of Delver decks, a lot of Stoneforge decks. But we had some uh, some nice ones show up. Affinity, um, Tezzeret Control. This list is really cool. I'm actually going to pull this up because this is one that I saw. Can I, can I just stop for one second? Yeah. Uh, just as a as a quick thing, 
I did look him up, and he is on Twitter as Gigantomancer. Oh, I'm following Gigantomancer. Oh, that's, really? That's, yeah. that's a nice guy? Yes. All right, oh. follow, seriously, yeah, if, Gigantomancer. You have, if you have Twitter, follow Gigantomancer. And his tweets are actually insane, too. Yeah, yeah. So, I didn't great. know who that, I didn't know that that was him. I had no idea. Why didn't he, why isn't his return address Gigantomancer on the box? Because <laughs> <laughs> not everybody uses their uh, Twitter as for all I'm for all follow Fridaying the crap out of that guy. Yeah, tomorrow. good. Seriously. All right. I follow every day that guy. <laughs> um, so this Grixis deck is really cool looking. Um, I'm just going to rifle off the main deck here real quick. Uh, two Chromox, two Insaring Bridge, one Graph Digger's Cage, four Top, three Sword of the Meek, four Thopter Foundry, one Humility, four Brainstorm, three E-Tutor, four Force of Will, four uh, Swords of Posture, three Mox Opal, three Jace, three Tezzeret, and Land. Like That deck is weird. This deck is insane. So it's a Thopter Foundry deck, yeah. but it's also an Enlightened Tutor... Um, toolbox deck. Toolbox deck to yeah. search up Graph Digger's t- Cage. Oh, all right, well, your Graph right. Strategy is just... Or Ensnaring Bridge, which colds a lot of decks. Yeah, it stops yeah. all the Emrakul decks. Like, I mean, it's this is this is a pretty cool list. Yeah, and it, like and it doubles as a control deck that you can just turn your main lands into 5 fives and just oh. bash in. He's so. got some interesting stuff on the sideboard, too. He's got Sun Droplet for the eventual burn matchup, of course. <laughs> And he's got uh, Aegis of Honor, which I remember from back in the day. I don't what know is if you Aegis, guys... Aegis, Aegis? Aegis? All right, well, I pronounce it wrong. What does it do? Pe- yes. It's a one-mana white enchantment. Pay a colorless. The next time an instant or sorcery spell would deal you deal damage to you this turn, that spell deals damage to its controller instead. So, so this guy just didn't burn. want to die to burn, right? Yep, correct. So that's, a, that's some interesting stuff. And he's got an extra... Karmic Justice? I guess for what? destroying destroying your artifacts when they bring in. Uh, oh, I thought it was. I'm thought. I'm thinking of uh, the white ice age enchantment. Oh, karma. No, it's a uh, white white two, and it's got the justice? anime guy on it. Justice. Oh, that's just the card. That justice. Awful. It has the anime guy on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to point out before we move on about the the burn sideboard is uh, burn sideboards are getting a lot better, and this guy had four pyrostatic pillar and four fairy macabre. Nice. Which I think Fairy Macabre is the correct choice over uh, Surgical Extraction. What's Fairy Macabre doing? Like It's it's defeating uh, Reanimator to get Ionis into play. Hmm. Um, so, it's uncounterable, mm-hmm. unless you have a Stifle. <clears throat> you don't have to pay life to it. Um, and it it gets two answers out of the sideboard. You're, you're not really caring about the Surgical Extraction part of getting the rest of the copies sure, out of the sure. deck. Pr- particularly against uh, Reanimator, when they probably only have one copy of Iona or one copy of, uh, like, uh, uh, Sphinx of the Steel Wind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I think that, that, that the sideboard is much more developed for this burn deck than I've seen in many other burn decks. So, I, the reason I want to talk more about Legacy than Standard is, this coming weekend at Star City Cincy, most of the people that I know that are going to be going are more excited about the Legacy portion than Standard. And I think that's just probably a Midwest thing. Well, it's also um, because there's a pro tour going on this weekend. Yeah, so. there's a pro tour. There's also there's a there's two GPs within like a stone's throw, and anytime a GP comes to Columbus, that's legacy. Uh, people start to uh, people start to pick it up and play it again. So guys that would normally be playing legacy pull their dual lines out and start playing it. So I've seen a lot around the shop. Um, a lot of people have started bringing their legacy decks with them, and um, I want to talk a little bit about the two. The two best creatures in Legacy right now, which are Delver and Stoneforge Mystic, and kind of how everything is centering around them, and uh, and what like you know what kinds of decks pop up that 
have a positive matchup against those kinds of decks. Like, well, I, I, I mean, think- we see. We see some really interesting things in this top eight. Is it because there is that deck? Is that burn deck good against those decks? Uh, I think that those decks are no longer playing cards that are good against the burn deck. Mm. I think that's a better way of putting it. Like Metal Misstep was obviously a huge card against burn because <laughs> you know it just it wasn't even the fact you could play it for free. It was the fact that you know you that it, it would counter a lightning bolt if you right. And I mean you, that, that's a deck that burn. You know, what's the average card, uh, you know, in burn do? Like, 2.5 damage. Like, like over the entire deck. Look at every single card. How much damage does it do? Like, mm-hmm. something like 2.5. So they have to spend, you know, play like, you know... They probably play between 6 and 7 spells to kill you. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you can, uh, you know, stop that from happening. If you can um, stop two of those spells, like, you know, they... It really just slows the deck down so much. Yeah. And uh, before, when you could just you know play a turn two Stone Forge Mystic, have Metal Misstep back up. Mm-hmm. You know, like how how does the burn deck beat um, Batterskull? Well, it doesn't. And that was the entire format, which is Batterskull decks. And and, and we're not se- anymore. We're seeing people talk more about goblins also, um, which we kind of jokingly said that goblins wasn't, or maybe I jokingly said that goblins wasn't really doing that well. But now that like. You know, Delver decks are really popping up a lot more. We're, we're going to see more goblins. Actually, uh, Jarvis, you just did a blog post. He created a bl- red-black goblins deck to show what his ideal list is. And I think that that is a good place to start. I mean, you know, being able to, to put a violin to play is still a real strategy. I mean, the only thing that stops that on turn one is a Days of Force Will. There's, there's no other spell in the format that stops either Vile. So... I think Aetherwild strategies are good right now. So if I was going to build a deck to fight Legacy, um, I would actually go back and maybe look at some of the old black-white decks that had Obliterator, Stoneforge, Swords, Hymn to Torak, those things, and then they play Aetherwild alongside of it. Um, I think that that would be a good way to stop both decks because I think it's got disruption that you need. Mm-hmm. And really, let's be honest, the Delver decks and the um, the Tempo decks, the, the Tempo decks and the Stoneforge decks, are pretty dorky. I mean, they don't really have a lot going besides, like, maybe Tarmogoyf. They're not really doing a whole lot. So I think if you could just one-for-one one your opponent, you're probably just fine. So, like, a Vindicate yeah. is perfectly reasonable in this format. Um, also, another deck that's really on my radar is Agrolome with Maelstrom Pulse. Um, Maelstrom Pulse is... You've been talking about this for a long time. Well, not necessarily because it's Agrolome. It's just because it's the deck that I most want to play Maelstrom Pulse in. I think it makes sense. What makes Maelstrom Pulse so good? Because you get to hit Batter Skulls, and you get to kill... Like, Delver, one of the one of the ways that it races is to just play multiple Delvers. And, like, to play out multiple guys. And if you can just make your opponent... Like, your opponent's never going to win in combat with your Terrabore, and either Reliquary, or your own Tarmogoyf. So they have to, they have to overextend in order to make that work. And I, and the, the, the Agrolome decks have been playing uh, Maelstrom Pulse over Engineer Explosives and Pernicious Deed just because of the flexibility that it provides. And you're not killing your own Mox Diamonds. You're not um, having to pay a million mana to, to get the effect. You can't be pithing needled out. It's I, I, I guess I don't know why that progression has happened, but it's it seems to be the best shell for it. Plus, um, the fact that you get to play Mox Diamond... I think makes Maelstrom Pulse better because it comes out a turn sooner. Um, so I I don't know. I, so here's the question. Sure. Uh, this will be the first. I guess last week was the first week with uh, Dark Ascension. 
Where are the Faithless Looting decks? I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Lion's Eye Diamond is still a card, and you can that goes pretty well with the Faithless Looting. So I just don't get it. Well, not also. only that, but like think of the you know Jerry T was playing Reanimator with Firestorm, and arguably. Faithless Looting is a better discard outlet than Firestorm because you get to put cards in your hand before you discard. You know the difference is, though, right? What? Firestorm is a better uh, Maverick killer. I mean, that's fine. I, I don't think that... Like, Maverick's off the radar. It didn't even top... Like, I'm, I'm trying to look here. Uh, 1 in 15th, well. 1 in 17th, but you have to realize that's that it. Going to this tournament, like, Maverick was the deck. Right. But I feel like Maverick green, is white, the deck. Green-white decks have a tough time staying on top. Especially in Legacy. Yeah, I mean, but, like, isn't Punishing Fire, like, in, in Kisali Prey Mages, like, isn't that, like, the best right now? I, I just don't see why they're not doing better. I mean, like, that's, like, that's Heavy Delver. You just, they're like, they're like, I'm playing Delver. You're like, I'm playing Punishing Fire. Good the luck, other, The other card that I think uh, should be on people's radars that uh, is not, for some reason, is uh, New Garrick. Garrick Relentless. Uh, with, for several reasons. One, because it's pretty good in any deck that has Tarmogoyf in it. Because it lets you win Tarmogoyf fights. It also kills, like, Stoneforge Mystic and mm-hmm. non-flipped Delvers sure, and lets sure. you flip it over to the Veil Cursed. And when you have a Veil Cursed in play, it's very difficult to lose to creature decks. Yeah, you're never going to lose the ground war ever. So he's a very uh, underrated and under-tested against um, Planeswalker. And the other thing is that he's a Planeswalker and he puts guys into play, mm. which is very tough for Jace decks to beat a lot of the time. If you just, like, play a guy and put a token Jace in Jace cannot beat uh, Garrick the Relentless. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's, you okay. put, put one out, and I think Garrick's going to win the war over the Jace. Right, and the other thing, like, back in the day, people were like, well, Elspeth beats Jace. Mm-hmm. Well, Garrick beats Elspeth. Sure. So, you know, it's just, really it's just another, Elspeth. yeah, really, it's not even that close at all. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, because there have been a few people... That uh, that's their that's their sneaky tech for this weekend. Oh well, don't post this planeswalker. Oh, it's uh, fine. I mean, the, it's not like if you came to that conclusion. You came out and said it. I mean, I think right. that I totally agree that that's a really good card. Maybe that would be a good card in Agrolom. Like I if, think that's a any fine green card deck. For any deck that can play green. Yeah. Any well, Antblade, uh, Agrolom. Like the blue green sort of. Uh, I don't like tempo decks. deck. I don't like tempo decks running it. I think I would more rather be. Able, I would rather be able to play it like off a bird. It's like pretty play good it on get, turn three. It's pretty good in Maverick. Like being able to. I like it in Maverick. Okay. Being able to sack a random wolf token to go get a Kuzali Pride Mage in a matchup that you need it, or get another Tarmogoyf. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's one of its five possible abilities. That's not even its best ability. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's a, it's a very. That's a scary card. So I mean, and, and and it's funny that's taken that long to get legs. I mean, what what else will we see from Dark Ascension based on this top eight? I mean, again, we're looking at tempo decks. Oh, there was a goblins in seventh place. I didn't realize that. Uh, Eventually, there will be a home for Thalia in Legacy. I don't know. I think when, Thalia is definitely. I don't a know where, but yeah, I think that there's probably like for there was like three months where mono white dudes with some equipment was a deck. In Legacy, and yeah, it had like Cordulist. Like Armageddon. And yeah, they had Cordulist with GTAs on it. So and I think that's that the kind of thing. Legacy right now has become more and more creature heavy. Mm. And so Thalia is less and less impressive. Yeah. Like when we, if we went back a couple months ago, 
And what we were concerned about was, okay, who's playing Lion's Eye Diamond? Who's playing, yeah. uh, you know, maybe maybe Reanimator, even before that, who's playing, like, you know, which of these counterbalance type decks are you playing? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Thalia would be awesome turn, uh, on the play against yeah, counterbalance. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah, you're right, because right now, you know, you can offset that by, you just play Grim Lottomancer, like, oh, well. And then, like, Thalia has First Strike, which is actually incredibly relevant, because mm-hmm. yeah. there's a lot of decks that, you know, barring Goyf, right. they're, you know, they, they don't have a whole lot of guys that are going to block and trade with her. But you know, it, they you know, and then like the, you know, most of the decks you want to play her in, it's kind of awkward to play her in Maverick because it really makes your Green Sun Zenith terrible. Yeah. And you know, there's so many decks that it's real awkward to play her in. Yeah. So that you know, so I don't know if we'll see it right away, but you know, it's one of those cards that if the format shifts. You know, she's going to be awesome. So I want to I want to uh, give a little shout out to the 21st place 21st place deck, which is Mary Jacobson's, and uh, the reason I shout this out is because it's a zoo deck. But it runs two main deck reckless charge. Yeah, yeah. So like her whole tw- her whole conundrum, and she's been tweeting about this all week. Is how many copies do I run at Star City Cincy? And uh, obviously, Ruben said five. Yeah, I said well, four. I said I said four or five if they let you. Yeah, it, uh, John said twelve. So we're like, you know, looking at, you know, how, how many uh, how many can we get away with running in Zoo? I think that that card is insane. Can we and play I that with Invisible Soccer? Oh, jeez. Sure, why not? All right. Well, I, in in this brings up like kind of another conversation, and if we don't mind transitioning away from legacy, I think this is kind of an interesting one. Um, Ruben and I have different different stances on this because uh, I said that I don't know how it exactly. So came the argument about. came up because of Reckless Charge. It was over Twitter, hmm. and Cranny fancies himself <laughs> the keeper of all cube knowledge, <laughs> and I just. Attempt to knock him off of the pedestal, much like Gemini on American Gladiator, who just knocked people off the pedestal. <laughs> that guy was with, unreal. With the giant, you know, the joust <laughs> rod. the joust rod. Yeah, the, the, the giant Q-tip, the uh, <laughs> the sexually transmitted disease Q-tip, you know what I'm talking about? Because those are Whoa. bigger. They're bigger than normal Q-tips. How do you know You've this? never been to a doctor's office and opened a drawer and looked and seen, like, enormous Q-tips. This Look, is a nice We're going story. off topic. Okay. <laughs> Let's not talk about why I know this. Can we not get the recover stories? Stud... You need to eat that Kit Kat while Ruben's telling the story. No. So, that you don't. so anyway, we had this argument. Let's get back on topic it? here. We, uh, we, uh, my argument for what a cube card sh- sh- is or should be is a card that was, because cube is a limited format and you're drafting limited, that it should be a card that was a bomb in limited, could have seen constructed play at some point, but was always a great card in limited. An example of this would be Ribbons of Night. Sure. I think Ooh. is exactly the kind of card you want in a cube. I miss Ruben the card Ruben's Knight in the cube. Stod Stod was so angry when I cut it. But see, this is it would be in my cube. It's not in your cube because <laughs> Cranny's view of a cube card is a card that's a like constructed staple, which is I don't think well, correct. Not that's necessarily. Not Here was my argument. So so the argument was against reckless charge, and I and, right. and we've I, been talking about having reckless charge in cube so, for a while. So Ruben is on the uh, he's saying uh, that I should cut it, and I think that I should keep it in because I, I like it as a card. I think you should put it in, but you should uh, make it cost one green mana. That's insane. So um, that would be insane. So Ruben says that the correlation is like you know it's not necessarily that a card is constructed playable because his his argument was that dredge affinity like these 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 well, don't work. Also well, re- okay, fine. No, so so. This is like something that I, I've I've participated in with a couple other guys. Anthony Avatalo has a um, uh, an opinion on this that he he tweeted and also we talked about on forums. Is basically that 
there is a very strong correlation between whether a card, it's sort of like a litmus test as to, to whether or not you think you could run it. If a card is good and limited and constructed, there's a very strong correlation uh, that uh, uh, between it being good there and also being good in Q. Obviously. Not necessarily causation. And what you find is that the modular mechanics like dredge and affinity are very, very linear. And tribal. Yeah. And tribal. And they, they don't fit in the strategy of most decks. And actually, some, occasionally, they break the rules of magic. And if you look at decks like Dredge and Affinity, they took a mechanic and were so linear and so oppressive that, like, they created, in, in many cases, uh, problem uh, problems with the format. Like, Affinity was a, an awful sure. format to play in. Dredge was an awful deck to play against for a long time when we didn't have all these millions of graveyard cards that, you know, you'd sit against your judge point and be like, well, I lost game one. Let's just shove on playing game two. And, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't board my ley lines. I guess I lost game three. So I, uh... It's not always been that way, though. Like, for me, like, the th- I mean, it's not an exact correlation, but, for example, tribal. We were just talking about tribal. Hmm. It, there were a lot of very powerful tribal decks, but it wasn't miserable to play against the tribal decks when there was a balanced format. Similarly, yeah. before that, you had the threshold decks, decks that were very try to get threshold by like turn three, and had like Nimble Mongoose and the Setin guy that was sure. a two one that uh, could block things with flying. A good way two plus two. A good way to look at it would be consider if you're looking at a card, consider every other card in the cube is a Grizzly Bear, a Snid, a you know Hill Giant, whatever, and then every removal spell is Lightning Bolt or a Terror, and every land is a land. So everything is vanilla. So if you're looking at a card, you have to you have to evaluate the wait, card. Wait, wait, wait. No. Okay, well, I'll, Snid and Hell Giant are the same thing, but no, no. I mean, here's you're I just think like, he wants Darkwood Boars. No, instead. what I'm it's saying, like, okay, so every car, every creature is the worst possible creature, yeah. and every spell. No, and listen, is the same. let me finish my let me finish okay. my thought. So you have to you cannot take you have to use the, the entire context of the cube sure. when evaluating. But so what we have is a limited format, right? So if you take a card like. Arcbound Ravager is a great example of one that you look at and you're like, well, he's awful for cube. Well, why is he awful for cube? Well, because he doesn't interact with anything else in the cube. When you have nothing, like when you have ten artifact creatures in the whole cube, obviously he's going to be he's going to be horrible. There's no you could draft every artifact in the cube and he might make your main deck. Like it's just it's just not possible that way. Or you take like Golgari Dra- Grave Troll. And you have to think of it in the context of like, well, if I can't abuse him every time, or I can't build a I deck that... I think Grave Troll would be good in cube. I think it'd be good too. Because you have a 20-creature deck that in the other, other three cards are Birthing Pod and Survival and something and a ramp spell. Like, that card would be fine. You know, there's I, there maybe, are exceptions maybe, to every yeah, rule. Maybe like Artbound, Artbound yeah. dude that puts a plus one, plus one counter on all, all of your artifact creatures every turn would be insane in cube, for example, because you've still got aggressive artifact creatures. Yeah. You know, you've got Phyrexian Metamorph and you've got Signal Pest, and he'd be a good one for cube. It's not... I, I think that saying that just because it's linear, it doesn't come in, is well, wrong. But think of the other side of the fence, right? Now think of a card, let's just use, like, Marari's Wake as, as an example. Marari's Wake fits that mold. Marari's Wake looks at, oh, well, i got all these creatures, I can interact with creatures, oh, you need mana, I can interact with mana spells. you got vanilla draw spells, yeah, I'll make you cast two a turn. Look at any equipment. Yeah, sure, I interact positively with, with that. You have addition and chain effects? Sure, I kill mana effects. So you, if, you, if you don't think of it... there are cards in cubes that make you work with them. But you no, have Birthing those are, and Tesseract the Seeker in cube. But those are of a different class. Those are archetype enablers. So if I said, I want to push Golgari Grave Troll, 
I don't just add Golgari Grave Troll on a whim. You have to actually change the entire landscape of your cube in order for that guy I to I don't think so. I you think guys think that, but in, in, in the context of what, I, what I'm trying to do with my fair. list, I don't think Golgari Grave Troll is an acceptable add. And the, the testament to Cranny's side of the argument is that we were talking about Mary Jacobson's list, and Cranny made the comment that every single individual card in Mary Jacobson's list is in the cube. So if you go look at it, there's a copy in Cranny's Cube. And I think that that's, that's a very interesting aspect to what's happened. Yep. Except now, for a Reckless Charge and Price of Progress. They're both in. They're both in. Price of Progress is in? Yeah. yeah. It, might, it might be way too good, but yes, it's in. Wow. Yeah, think about the beating the Price of Progress is against oh. Cranny.deck. Exploration <laughs> Bounceland.deck loses to that card every time. I mean, you could look... At, First pick it every time. And, and, think, yeah. and, and, and look at that Tezzer deck that we looked at. Every card, aside from the linear, the linear combo the cards, sure. are in the cube. And that's it's an extremely high correlation. So there's really not... I mean, we could, we could talk, we could about, talk about it for hours, and we're not going to get anywhere. It's just interesting to point out. So if you're looking at evaluating cards... You guys might think that, that that position is wrong. I just came up with it while we're talking here. I just thought it might be a good way to illustrate that, like, That's it fair. doesn't necessarily matter that Arcbound Ravager interacts with artifacts, it, that he, he just doesn't interact with the rest of the cube. So if you're looking to break the format for this weekend at Star City Games Cincinnati... Bring four cubes. Bring four cubes. <laughs> build a deck out of your cubes. Oh, That's, that's what you do. That's insane. Now, while we transition to the next topic, we're going to... Uh, <clears throat> Open our next Kit Kats here. These appear to be coffee. I can't tell. I, I can't it's tell. Like chocolatey. Thing. Talk to me about. It what might be coffee. It's really hard to tell. It's it's, it's all in kanji. Japanese. This says Japanese on it. It uh, says Japanese. It says Kuru. Oh, here we go. Image. Yes. And I would like to point out something. Oh, yeah. So so we have these Kit Kats, right? And you know what an American Kit Kat looks like, right? You know what a party size American Kit Kat looks like? <laughs> yeah, this is we... half the size of a party size. <laughs> it's because, so cute. Because the Japanese are just like, oh, Tiny I want a people. Kit Kat. I want to have like the appropriate <laughs> amount of chocolate. And we're just like, man, this is like one quarter yeah. of what like the entire thing of Kit Kats is equal to one American Kit Kat. <laughs> like it yeah. comes as a you know, it's two little Kit Kat things. You break it apart. This put is it, like an after dinner mint. Put it. Kind it's of. like an Andy's mint. And yeah. Like they, they sell them as like full products. The actual Kit Kat. Also, special. I do want to mention that I can still, in the back of my mouth, taste that uh, octopus. octopus caramel. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we've eaten the strawberry one, <laughs> yeah, it's, already it is quite a uh, potent, potent. It's quite flavor. potent, I, and I imagine there is some like because it wasn't just octopus. <laughs> it was like some sort of like seaweed soy sauce flavoring. Unfortunately, if it's from Japan, they do not put the uh, the nutritional facts on the side. Contained one octopus. Well, this does caramel. okay. So this does say caramel, and uh, that's all I can read. <laughs> all right, fair enough. All right, we're gonna eat the. There's a picture of some coffee being brewed on the front of this soy so sauce. I'm going. No, no, no. That's the that's the other one. So there's the ones we're eating right now appear to have a cup co- a cup of coffee being brewed on it's the not front. Coffee. I don't know what it's it's coffee. It's coming out of a sink, I guess. I don't know. Let's eat it. All right. So while they're while they're uh, chowing down on Kit Kats, I'm gonna go into our next topic, which is working for the man. And, Actually, uh, we're just not gonna go into that yet. We're gonna talk about Kit Kats because this guy sent us these awesome Kit Kats, and we're gonna uh, reflect on this for a second. I'm gonna look up this flavor real quickly. All right, Kuro. I got no problem with this. Kuro Mitsu. Kuro Mitsu flavor. Because I cannot M-I-T-S-U. place this. Hold on. Mitsu. Like Mitsubishi. 
Me too. There we go. All right. The power of the internet on our side. Let's see what Kiramito is, because I I cannot I can't place this. It's like it's coffee-ish. Is it molasses? Oh, it might be black honey. Literally, black honey. it is similar to molasses. Interesting. Oh wow! Got this one, boys. Hmm. I taste it. I taste molasses now. I do too. <laughs> That's delicious. All right, moving on while we pick the stuff out of our teeth. So, in a, in an effort yeah. to continue to promote our magic community, something that um, you know we like to participate in, as we write in uh, blogs, we try to do video content. We also have all our. Uh, this is the first time during the show that we've all had a uh, writing spot. And, a regular uh, writing gig, yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of cool. So we figured, that we, we figured that we'd, we'd pump those sites up and kind of talk about what we're writing about. And then, um, yeah. So, Roots, what you got going on? These uh, I'm still working for Star City Games. I haven't written anything recently because I haven't really done anything recently. Mm. And I've also still been sort of dealing with my health. I'm on a, a new medication, which is sort of... But you got something bit. you got something bubbling up that people don't know about yet that yeah, a little project well, we have to keep that on the download. But yes, keep keep your eye out for more rubes coming in the future <laughs> this year. Um, yeah, that's going to be exciting when I'm able to do it. Um, so, but yeah, I've got I've got some ideas for some articles coming out and and uh, I'll have one next week. So so we uh, we like our friends down in Cincinnati and uh, our buddies. Um, J.R. Wade and John Medina, uh, they started a uh, company called Legit MTG. And Legitimate they, Magic the Gathering, yes. And they, they just launched their site, and they got a uh, content editor is Caleb Durward, and they're really going aggressively to try and get good content out there. Yeah. So they've and started I, a few columns a already. It's not, it's not bad. It's not bad. They're, they're kind of filling it out. They're filling in the blanks, taking, taking feedback as it comes in. But I actually offered my services as, uh, and I don't know if this would be regular at all, but I said, hey, I'll write you a cute uh, review for Dark Ascension. So, yeah. uh, like 4,000 words later, I, yeah. I have and my Dark Ascension. And your cube review is great. <laughs> so, I'd like to to, uh, to give a huge shout-out to LegitMTG.com. If you haven't been to their site, they're, uh, they're launching a storefront. They're going to need support, and uh, you should definitely go out and check them out. And they've got some some really good uh, writers working. they got, obviously, Caleb's there, and yeah. Caleb Durward knows exactly what he's talking about. Cranny's working there. Um, I've seen at, the- there's, a, there's a culture. I, I, of course, am trying to be a culture writer for Star yeah. City Games. There's a culture writer working for Legit MTG who you have all seen on Twitter, at Revised Angel, mm. and she's doing a, a yeah. Twitter roundup sort of article. It is interesting. It's very good for people who like Twitter because yes. I mean it's it's great at like you know showing you the relevant stuff. Yeah, it's called Twenty Tweets, and it's right. it's a cool format. It lets you follow the. It shows you tweets oh, of people nice. you might be wanting to follow, you know, and perhaps people you do follow, but people that you should be following also, you know. And Mark Sun has already made his appearance on the list. <laughs> Man, I gotta um, get on that list. You know, and there's... Gotta do something controversial. Why don't you try saying something relevant for once? Shut up. Well, if you start... I mean, you know, all I ever do on Twitter is start hashtag battles, so... Those will get on eventually. Maybe. Those I'll, I'll we'll fight for it. So, Hashtag, um, hashtag battles? Can we... Is that a thing? That's insane. Let's start it. We have to go deeper? Hashtag inception? <laughs> all right. Um, and, and then, Sam? Sam, what you do? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, technically still running for Star City. I haven't uh, written anything in a while, though. Let's go out of order here. Though, though, yeah, I, I am doing uh, commentary. So, for so new hashtag Star City 
I'm sorry, wrong one. Star City Live schedule. We got a new Star City Live schedule. Right. Sam? Yeah, I will be doing uh, coverage for uh, Columbus in June and Ooh. then the Invitational Indy in June. Nice. So, so who are you sick. who are you working with at those? Do you know? Uh, oh Jesus. Um Man, you're so sh- vain. I know no, I, I, <laughs> well, I while Wiley thinks of that, there are also some additions, additional commentators yeah. that are very exciting. Uh, Drew Levin. So will be do that's going to be a sick one. He yeah. was I've heard him do. He was the the uh, at Star City Cincinnati that I top aided. He sat in mm-hmm. for Ari yep. for a little while yep. you know, while Ari was getting a sandwich or something. And he did. A, he was commentating on one of my matches, and I went back and watched yeah. it. And he was making fun of me pretty much the whole time, <laughs> which is awesome yeah. because that's what I want out of a commentator. No, he's he's I a want, good fit. Oh yeah, I want a funny you know Dennis Miller or a, a Tony Kornheiser kind of character in the booth. So he's going to be entertaining, and he's in the trenches. Too, okay, yeah, and he also knows what he's talking. So, about. so I, I, I knew it was Joey Pasco in June second and third, which is in Columbus, and uh, Indianapolis. It's uh, myself, Jacob Van Lunen, and Matthias Hunt. Awesome. Also, I would like to point out that I don't know exactly what Joey uh, Joey Pasco has been doing, and how he has so many vacation days. Yeah, <laughs> because like it is absurd. Like he is doing so many events. Yeah. Dude, uh, shout out to Joe Pasco. Yeah, he's seriously hardest working man in magic commentary. Yeah, he's great. He just, Other he... than like Glenn, <laughs> Glenn Jones, and, uh, I, and actually, all those guys. I, I want to get that title. Someday. I want to be the hardest working man in magic. That'd be I, sick. That would be awesome. So the other, so we've got uh, Drew Levin. Yeah, that's very exciting. We've also got Adam Prozac, which awesome. is very exciting. Big funny man, cool dude. He's hilarious. He was living with, I don't know if he's still living with JR he's in Cincinnati, but he no, was for no, a while. He moved out, but he's in Cincy still. Living. He's, he's in Cincy. He's, he was cr- just crashing at, um, he was crashing at Jay Cal's place for a week. It'll be so. interesting because I'm not, because I, I don't know if his comedy translates to television. Mm. Um, maybe that's just the comedian and, you know, a te- uh, potential television personality in me speaking, mm. but I'm looking very forward to seeing oh, that yeah. happen. Definitely. And the third one, my favorite one, is Marshall Sutcliffe, Woo. which uh, yeah, limited buddy. resources very own Marshall Sutcliffe, which was surprising, but is still going to be good because he's entertaining. Yeah, and, and he's he's just like he even if he doesn't play the formats as much as the other guys, like he is extremely like his radio voice is on. Yeah, he understands what it's like to be behind a mic, and he can really talk the talk. So I'm oh, yeah. like. So excited about it, having him on the docket. Like, and if he takes a couple lim- legacy li- lessons from Drew Levin, then he'll be fine. And he'll play on it. And like, yeah. so I'm, I'm good with it. Marshall, congrats on that. Like, yeah, that's it's, it's really too bad that they don't film the Star City Games uh, draft opens because he'd be a good one to well, talk about. Well, as that. Sam pointed out, as we were doing our show notes before the show, he will be doing Wizards uh, right. events. He will be well. working Wizards events, yeah. which will be very covering exciting. GPS and mm-hmm. the like. So. so, congrats to all those guys. And, yeah, awesome. uh, and we're working on our stuff. You don't have to worry about us. But uh, <laughs> to everyone else, you know, try and keep I up. I mean, with, I got to give amazing. another round of applause to Sam too for getting that because that's yes. just yeah. our, our very own Sam Stoddard in the booth. And we know that every other sentence he's gonna be like, "Go to inconsistentmagic.com." Yeah, obviously. Cranny, Ruben, Cranny, Ruben. No, I'm just kidding. I'll every other sentence <laughs> will begin with, "Here's the thing." <laughs> the problem is that he can't start arguments with Cranny because Cranny plays devil's advocate oh, not 70% be, of the time. Oh, in the chat. What chat? What chat? Oh, Twitter, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm turning my phone off just so I don't have to yeah, deal yeah. with uh, you. Uh, like, but, I'll, you know, someone, I'll have someone bring a phone to you. Every conversation <laughs> on, on this show is pretty much bring up a subject, 
Sam's like, here's the thing, and talks for about half an hour. And then Granny's like, <laughs> devil's advocate time! And then I'm just sitting here going, oh no! <laughs> and then about 30 minutes later, Cranny's like, yeah, I can see that. And then we move on to a new topic. <laughs> the thing is that you can't do that quite so easily to people that you don't do a weekly podcast That's with. true. So it's going to be very funny to see you being like, here's the thing, to Matthias Hunt. So <laughs> I actually, you know I, gotta, I, mean? I gotta give uh, 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 a prop to a tweet that was uh, happened after I guessed it on Going um, to Taps last week. Uh, Marshall Sutcliffe tweeted that I sound way smarter <laughs> when Sam Stock's right. not in the room. So Sam's not out there beating me down like Franny <laughs> sounds so smart. <laughs> and the problem that I had with that tweet was I don't what? I'm not here? I don't sound smarter or whatever. Maybe oh, when I guest man. star they'll be like, Yeah, when Sam's not being an asshole. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ruben sounds like a centerpiece to any show. Alright, so so moving on to the final Kit Kat. Yes. Oh this, God. so this one's crazy. This we is have called air, air in air in white it actually white looks like a kind of like Andy's mint where it's got like a white, white top, top on top of some sort of body of chocolate I mean this is this is like this, this is, is fancy this is the the crowning achievement of of uh, Simon's gift dunk. to us These, this is a nice looking truly Kit-Kat. it looks I don't even want to eat delicacy. it I just like put it on a shelf it's nice even just the sound as you bite into it you should do that right in the mic this is insane will this work <laughs> I don't know if that worked. But. Uh love later I'll get it. <laughs> like this is like premium chocolate. This is not an American like well, absolutely. It's Can a I thinner it's, it's a got, thinner Kit Kat. Well it's still a Nestle. It looks like it's whipped. Yeah. It's a it's a higher quality chocolate and it's less of the crunchy. That little chocolate. that little thing is forty calories, so there's some serious oh uh, there's some serious stuff in there. Man. Wow. This is, 40 calories. Those would sell like hotcakes in America. <laughs> if, if Americans weren't already full from co- from hotcakes. <laughs> Which so, reminds me, no, speaking of hotcakes, <laughs> another, another hashtag we have that we'll go real quick is uh, hashtag Hawaii brags, which um, is pretty much if you go follow anyone who's at the Pro Tour on Twitter, they've all tweeted photos of their beautiful hotel rooms sure. overlooking beautiful Hawaii volcanoes. Idiot. Look! I've got a misty rainforest in my backyard. <laughs> Look, I've got an erupting a volcano island in my backyard. You're hilarious with your dual land references, all right? <laughs> and then they're taking pictures of their breakfasts because every hotel <clears throat> apparently serves like cocoa nut macadamia. Oh yeah, nut man. I just, yeah, John cakes. Johnson's well, and, and you a triple stack with. They're always just like, oh, I'm just eating my breakfast over top this volcano. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, was that the beach in the back? We're so tired from the beach, we decided to have breakfast late, and it was pancakes. And I hate, I hate you all. It's like, the bottom like, line. That's every single tweet, and it's not even like being subtle about it. It's just like they're sitting there, and they just like have like uh, uh, they have like a layer on their neck, and they have like a, a big map of Hawaii. They just got like and they're in front of a volcano, sick lifestyle. Yeah, with like a coconut, and they're just like, oh, just going to get the mail. Yeah. So if you're in Hawaii. Uh, uh, screw you. Yeah, screw you. Actually, they have to pay anyway, those idiots in Hawaii, because hashtag, uh, sword oh, of cash and more cash. Sword of cash and more cash. Yeah, so real quick, uh, sorry to all you idiots in Hawaii who thought you were going to get, uh, $40 sword of pieces. I'm yeah, sure they're at 100 bro. by this point. Right. Like, well, no, cause like, availability. Nice, I, nice life. Because I tweeted earlier this week, I was just like, over... Uh, my over-under was 65. Oh, yeah. over. For on the oh, floor or, like, at the site? At the site. I would say over. I think it's over, too, but I, I felt that if I said, like... 
if you set a low so over under, then the then the betting would start adding up so that you could raise it up later. Like I, I thought, like I, my my personal guess is that it'll probably be like more like seventy. I think that's probably realistic. Um, seventy seventy five is probably close. But the, the, the whole thing was that you know, and I was talking to people about this. They're just like, oh, it's like thirty dollars. I'm like, well, okay, it's forty tickets on Moto, and people don't get that when a card is more expensive on Moto than it is in real life, the card is worth more in real life. Nobody realizes it yet. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's yeah. how that works. That is yeah. the way the moto economy works. And you go look through it, and you're like, oh, El-, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was like, Elish Norn's like 20 tickets, so I wonder right. why. And Elish Norn's like $10 IRL. Well, now Elish Norn has gone up. Well, throw demand into the mix, and throw island factor in the mix. Oh, right. yeah. You're talking, like, serious I don't, issues. I don't know the whole story, but I've heard that there are, like, two dealers there. And I, I don't know who it is, and obviously... This part of it, I guess, was not as well fleshed out as some other parts of the Pro Tour. Because here's the problem. So you're a dealer, and you've got to go to the Pro Tour, right? Thank God it's a standard, because you don't have to take all the cards that are in modern. Right. Um, dealers make a lot of money, not just by selling cards. They make it by buying cards. Well, you only have, you know, 450 potential customers. You know, so first day you go there, it's, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of action on day two. Not a lot of people are coming up going like, ah, you know, maybe you'll be able to buy everyone's cards off them, but there's just not a whole lot of action going on in the Pro Tour. So it's going to completely change the, the, the dynamic of the dealers. Right, and they're, and not, they're not even selling the set that, uh, they're not even, sorry, they're not even drafting the set that sort of War and Peace is in. Right. They're going to be opening Innistrad right. and yeah. Dark Ascension cards. And it's the whole thing of, you have to then bring in, you have to then fly in cards. You know, you have to fly people into FedEx overnight, and yeah, you have to fly people into Hawaii to staff your booth. So they managed, I guess, to get two vendors. I don't know what the deal is and how that whole thing's working out. I'm sure that you know, being a, a you know a lowly non in the know person, I'll never find out the exact deals of like you know how much it costs to be a vendor. Or they're even charging the vendors or what the sure, hell's going sure. on because this is kind of a you know above and beyond situation. You know, we're going to see absurd car prices there. Uh, I remember when I was in Berlin, um, humble brags. Uh, <laughs> You know, um, I, I showed up with Zoo, and luckily I think I was missing, like, one or two cards. But then people showed up, and, you know, they're like, oh, what are you playing? And they're like, oh, keep this in quiet. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a glimpse of nature's. And they're like, oh, yeah, those are 80. <laughs> the dealers just sold out. They, like, you know. And I was like, well, what happened? Well, a couple people want a glimpse of nature's, and guess what? Nobody brought glimpse of nature's. Yeah, luckily the the mythic rare isn't, like, you know, Frexing Gargantuan or something. Right. Like, that you don't have to. Well, and it is, it's, a, it's a known factor. Yeah. But it's the fact that, you know, how many sort of warm pieces do these dealers have to bring to sell, and they're going to show up there. I've also heard that the price of Seacrum Coast is not available. Hmm. Like, there are just no Seacrum Coasts. I wow. would, if I was, if I was at the Pro Tour, I would very, very heavily consider audibling to a non-white-blue deck, selling the cards out of the deck, getting like five or $600, maybe more, and just being like, well... I guess I got five or six hundred dollars, and I, you know, I'll buy them. I'll buy some mono green deck or something. Audible like, into uh, that's a really poor audible decision. into zombies. Why is it a poor decision? Like, you, there's still decks that you can play that don't run those. Cards. Because you're playing at a pro tour. Audible into zombies. So, so you, you, what, so what zombie. you're saying is you're like, you're zombie. like, I, 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 I went to a hundred and thirteen F and M, and I flew to Grand Prix. <laughs> Thank you for singing the cranberries. I appreciate it. No, no problem. And, and I'm going to audible into some deck for no, like 250 bucks. You're right, okay? I didn't even think about when I said it, but I'm just saying that it could be pretty tempting for guys like, well, maybe I'll If just someone play. came up to me and was like, I will give you $1,200 and I'll give you a different deck, I'd be like, all right, well, I guess I made $1,200. 
But it takes yeah. something like that. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying something big that someone's like, "Look, I need Seacomb Cross and Sword of Worm piece. I will give you seven hundred dollars." Like, that's a huge gain. Like, I'm playing on some planes now. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, I, I think that we read. should. I think that we should. Uh, we should kind of like go into closing uh, arguments here sure. and pound the gavel because um, our, our last topic is. Off topic in contention. We're gonna try something a little different. As soon as we get get done with this show, we're gonna take take quick break, and then we're going to record an episode. Ruben is actually not gonna be here because he has to hightail it to Athens uh, to go visit his girlfriend. Yep. What are you doing tonight? Uh, uh well, tonight I'm doing stand up in Athens at the show Sick. that I what founded time? at ten. Ooh. So I'm leaving here, and uh, yeah. It's quite tight. Man. It's not that tight. It's like an hour and a half to Athens. You can make it. I think we'll I'll make it. So anyway, at the show that I founded down there. Yeah, oh, nice. To, this weekend is my sister's 21st birthday. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend's 20th birthday is in a couple days. We're also celebrating Valentine's Day. And my girlfriend and mine, one year anniversary is March 1st. Congrats. Jeez. So I know, right? And I cannot wait to break up with her because then my comedy bits will be so much funnier. It's true. <laughs> Being no, in a relationship is the worst thing for a comedian. Unless it's a really <laughs> bad relationship. Yeah, but, yeah. You, can, yeah, but you, can talk about, you can talk about all like the things that like drive you crazy right. like that. No, but right now it's just comedy. like, you ever been dating a woman and you find out like eight months into it that you love her? Like, that's miserable. <laughs> what a bad joke. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you have to, be, you have to either be in there so long that you're just so bitter but like you just can't break it up because right. like your stuff is just too intertwined and you're just yeah, waiting like, to have I don't stuff. want to clean out all the drawers you're like do you understand <laughs> how many things we have to separate out right like if you know she would go breaking my stuff and let's be honest I like my stuff yeah <laughs> I, I, and I hate her but my life is just so yeah, much but more but that simple. Bob Dylan record is like tough to find uh, do you know how hard it is to smuggle thir- you know 380 DVDs out of the house so that when you yeah. break up she can't steal them all <laughs> this is difficult. It's pretty, yeah, without getting noticed. This right, writes right. itself. The other thing is that it's my girl. It's no, I'm sorry, not my girlfriend's, but my sister's 21st, mm. which is a big deal. Because uh, especially you know, in Athens, Ohio. Especially in Athens, Ohio. I don't know if you've ever been to Athens, Ohio, but basically the economy um, is alcohol. That's the economy. And what you do when you turn when you have a birthday is you go on what's called a shuffle, yeah. which is you go try to go to all the bars. And have a shot or a drink in all the bars. Significant. Significant. Yeah, it's, it takes a lot, especially, my sister's not a huge person. She's a tank when it comes to drinking. That's because she lives in Athens. You Which, by mean? the way, if, if you don't know, Athens is where Ohio University is. Right. So Number it's... one party school in the most recent Playboy and Princeton Review. Swept the top rankings. Just not even close. My... <laughs> Taste it. University of Florida, Wisconsin. Whatever, Wisconsin. My, my friend uh, used to go there, and apparently, I, I forget the name of the bar, and I'm sure it'd be libelous if I was to, like, you know, tell, say what it is, um, or slanderous, whatever. And so, what they did was, they had this bar down there that would serve underage kids. Narrows it down? <laughs> no, but here's their trick, right? They had 12 different owners. Each owner had their own liquor license. Yeah, wow. I, I know exactly what you're talking because about. Because when you got busted, you look, couldn't sell. If you got busted, right, you would lose your liquor license for a year. And so they basically just had it worked out with the cops. Where the cops would bust them, like, you know, about once every month or two. Take out a few people and then be like, you know. And so, like, you know, if, if, if you were in the know, someone would be like, dude, don't go to don't, don't go down to the, the whatever place was tonight. Like, it, it, That's sick. And, so, and then, but eventually they... Uh, 
the, the, the people of Athens got tired of the fact that Let's this was going on. Let's redraft our our policy right. here, so we can. Well, they file. just like stop. They just stop renewing their liquor licenses. Mm-hmm. They're just like, yeah, no, this is this is ridiculous. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's funny to me because um, basically, if you don't know what it, it, it's a lot like Monopoly. It, it, it like lot real sure, life sure, Monopoly yeah. while blackout drunk. Like so, I you know I'm expecting to fill out a police report at some point because you know my sister's going to be like go to jail card yeah go to yeah, yeah go go directly to jail I'm going to try and break her out but you know it's not going to happen yeah. because the police will be like you understand that like she walked into the red brick and was like I got three in a row I sunk your battleship and then punched someone in the face like that's what's going to happen <laughs> so you know that's so that's what I'm doing this weekend instead of Star City Cincinnati sorry I won't be there guys but uh, I'll catch you later I will fill in for you idiots the Sam's not going either it's going to be insane Jake Hell's uh, having a party Saturday night Jake Hell of the bridge shout out to Jake Hell Jack and Taylor and tgbridge.com Mark White um Mark Mark and Mr. Scotty Max coming in from from the A team I'm really sad I missed that he'll be back he'll be back He's gonna he's gonna like it so much. This is my goal, right? That he's we have, we have Scotty Mack and KYT, who I love from the A team, and my goal is to get them to move from uh, America's Funny Hat down to uh, Cincinnati. Why do you think they would let them into the United States, let alone to live? <laughs> do you think we just give out visas to the Canadians? Do you do you know why there's a Canada? Canada is because we don't give visas out to the Canadians. The, the Canadians? <laughs> if we were just like, oh, yo, who did open that border up? You know what'd be left up there? Bears and like two Eskimos going like, what is it? <laughs> Empty fishing holes with fish picking out going. I what? I don't. I thought I was expecting the maple syrup would run fallow. <laughs> Look, Canadians are already taking our good American jobs. <laughs> is that is that not what happens? No, oh, it's okay. not. It. My uh, last. They're point, taking our good American health. I wanted to talk about the last point of twenty first birthday. Is your twenty first birthday is the last birthday that matters? Until you're like 65. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Right? And then you get the blue plate special at Bob Evans. Yeah. Right? So, 20, like, I'm 25. You know, my 21st birthday, a lot of people are like, oh, you get to rent a car now. That's, no, that's fucking, stupid. Yeah. Your insurance rate goes down. Am I allowed to say? It's fine. All right. I, I, I apologize for the get this long, Sure. You're, that's not important. Like, renting a car, I, no one's actually that, you know, you don't come home at midnight, you know, after a night of partying and you wake up the next morning. And you're like, man, what did we do last night? Why are there 12 parked cars on my lawn? I don't understand what happened. My credit card bills are through the roof. Cops are on to us. You know, that doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. That's just it's stupid. Okay, new tradition. On your 25th birthday, we do a, uh, it, it's called the uh, the parking ride. Where would you do it? <laughs> You go from one rental car to the next. You rent a car, right? And then you drive to Hertz. You park the car, rent another car, drive it over to the (laughs) budget. The budget. This is awesome. And you hit up like twelve rental agencies. We used to play that game. I worked in a very small convenience store when I was in high school. It was my first job. And what you would do is you would take an item off the shelf, and then you take it and put it somewhere else. So like maybe be a row over. So someone would be like, oh, well, this can of peas is misplaced. Let me go put it back where the can of peas are. And then you go put the can of peas back, and there'd and be a granola bar box. Else, yeah. It's like, ah, oh, there's a granola bar box. So we would do this, and there'd be a couple employees that would just, like, <laughs> any time this would happen, they would just full tilt. So obviously the first thing you do when you get in the morning, you come in 10 minutes early <laughs> and play the move-around game, and 
and then obviously just make their life hell the rest of the day. That's so, awful. Yeah, I'm a miserable else. person. <laughs> I could also uh, smoke cigarettes inside of that store when wow. I was when I was. Those were more civilized age. Yeah, like you could and you could go get your dinner at Wendy's and sit down and, and smoke, which is like it's crazy to me to think about. Which actually. I'm like almost four years smoke free, so I just got to give a shout out to myself here. Thank you, thank you. And he's uh, almost four days gluten free. Oh wait, you had Kit Kats. Well, yeah, well, you know that's all right for for the fans. But, all right, so let's talk about hashtag eight bit in contention. Yeah, so we're just gonna go. We're gonna do. We'll it give and, you like a five minute preview of what they're gonna talk of what they're gonna talk well, about. I actually don't know. I mean, we had some people suggest some topics. Yeah, we got yeah based on um, and I think what we should do with the show. Maybe we'll just talk about. The whole like JRPG thing, like or talk about RPGs in general, and like the you know because someone asked like what do JRPGs have to do become relevant? What's a JRPG? Japanese RPG. And I would say uh, hire somebody who is not on crack to write your story, <laughs> because uh, the last time I pl- I don't remember well maybe like Final Fantasy like six or something like I could play it and not just be like what is going on? All right, you got you got to save for the show because we got we what, can talk about this. Can someone talk to me about? The numbering system for the Final Fantasy games? They released a bunch in Japan, and then they released them here, and then they released a bunch in Japan, and the other, there weren't... They weren't uh, like, there was one for the... There was, with each in, other. in the United States... Like Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy 2, 3, 4, 5... Okay, let's make sense so far. Then there was, like, 7-2, seven, seven. Yeah, and then, like, oh, no, no, no. 8 three? 2, 3, and 5 did not get released here. Uh, oh. 6 and 4 were, but they were 2 and 3. So, the numbering system was 1, 4, 6, 7, 7.2, like... <laughs> no, this is, no, you were close. 7.2 is not... It, what it is is it's 7 <laughs> Advent Children or something. Yeah. It's, like, it's got a separate name. And then they did uh, 8, 9, 10... 10 to I need 11, to see a flowchart. Yeah, right. 12. But anyway, if 12. You, if we're also going to talk out. about music, so 13, or 13. Uh, game game availability, um, just like platformers, just our general gaming experience. This is this is a new thing. So we're going to try and hashtag some stuff out. Um, sorry that you can't be here. Yeah, I might sorry, actually have my wife down because she likes gaming. She, she might be able to chime in a little Good. bit. So, um, she'll probably know more than I do. No, no, no. She'll, she'll be No, I'm, I'm serious. She like, <laughs> I played card games all through high school. You know, I play in. Like actual poker through high school, oh, as Lord. opposed to video games. Oh, you mean if you were on the show? I'm like, right. man, you're being a little hard on yourself. Well, yeah, if I were. On no, the show. I agree. Um, but I, I just want to. We're going to wrap it up here. I just want to give one um, one shout out to this guy named VR Dave. He's on Twitter at VR Dave. He is putting together. Uh, he actually created the Combo Life Pad. We, me and Sam sort of envisioned the Combo Life Pad. I, I graphic designed it, sent it to this guy. And he created them. And actually, when, when he did that, he was, like, doing it outside of his house with, like, a glue gun. And since then, he actually said, oh, well, I guess I like doing these pad things. So he started creating them more, and he, he's, he's actually making a name for himself. And we just ordered, like, 600 pads or something. Oh, nice. We've got more combo pads in. Um, and uh, so I just wanted to Those shout them out. Those will be available Ohio Magic Weekend? Or no? be, yeah. Oh, yeah. We obviously got to plug Ohio Magic Weekend. Right. So Hashtag OMW2012. Hashtag Ohio Magic Weekend 2012. Yeah. So Ohio Magic Weekend 2012 is February 25th, 26th. Two Star City IQs, two modern PTQs. I'm sorry. Uh, the Star City IQs, one is modern, one is legacy. Go to InContentionMagic.com. I put a flyer there. Check it out. If you guys can make it up, everybody here from InContention is going to be there. Ruben and Sam are going to be playing. I'm going to be there selling cards. Yeah. It is going to be amazing. And so, uh, DR Dave actually has a website, which is MTGPad.com. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, thank you. 
And again, humongous shout out to Gigantomancer, Simon, uh, Norieka, for giving us these awesome Kit Kats. This yeah, was, was just delicious. Like, this was I great wake up tomorrow going like, oh, why do I taste octopus? Yeah, I know. I, I wake up every morning thinking, why do I taste? Uh, all right, you know the rest of the oh. joke. So, so <laughs> <laughs> giving us the wind-up sick. Now, for your video game episode, are you guys going to use the same theme song, or are you going to have a more 8-bit theme I, song than even what we're currently using? I, I, I said we need to get to an 8-bit version of that song, but I don't know. We'll, we'll figure something Isn't out. Isn't our current song like 8-bit? Uh, it's, like, it's more like 16-bit. We need an 8-bit version. Yeah. It's got, it just has too many uh, modular tones. Well, we'll try to have less modular tones for the video game episode. Luckily, there is a plethora of uh, 8-bit music going on up there because people love it. Excellent. You can, you can go see bands that have just nothing but NESs out, and they're just, like, playing the NES. Man, I feel awful. Uh, I can't find the gentleman whose uh, who's girlfriend did the altar for us, so I will just have to find it, and I'll shout it out in the next show. Yeah, Sorry. the tragic slip with the banana peel. Yeah, so, all right, well, I don't have anything else. You guys have anything else? Nothing else? I got nothing else. All right, all right. until next week, we're in contention.